Blog Talk Radio. Tonight, we'll go back in time to seasons past when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we will explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its Memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Slick Enterprises, we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Slick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at GridironGreatsMagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Largent. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Captain, always a pleasure. Great to, great to hear the sound of your voice, your uh, your your introduction, all of it. Uh, just, yeah, glad to be here again. We're back. And I just want to touch very briefly my prediction of the uh, Super Bowl was slightly off as they ended up playing – the San Francisco 49ers who made a very, very poor decision at the end of the first half, uh, toward the end of the end of the first half when they got the ball back. Should have gone for a field goal. I don't know what they were thinking, what they were doing, but that's neither here nor there. The Chiefs won. Congratulations, Andy Reid and the organization. Finally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly, certainly doesn't help. They, uh, they, made, they made the decision to not put points on the board. Never good. That's right. That's right. I am of the philosophy, and I'll, I'll conclude that part by saying, in a game such as that, you have to go for points because that's the only way you're going to win. And mm-hmm. as much as you're trying, trying to, to start something different, spark, whatever it may be, you got – 30 more minutes left of the game. Get the three points up there, and you never know. The score could be three-point 
difference, uh, and yep. you'll be winning it by the by that field goal. So poor decision, poor decision. Yep, one hundred percent of the teams who've lost games did it by not scoring more points than the other team. <laughs> Can I quote you? Uh, on not that? not a very well known not a very well known fact that one right there. But you need one more point to beat your <laughs> opponent. That's all it is. All right, let's get started tonight. There's a lot of auction action that uh, has occurred over the past uh, three weeks or so since we were last on the year. And I'm going to lead off talking about a uh, hunt auction at Ooh. the – and it was uh, right during Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl or shortly right afterwards. It had some yeah. incredible pieces in it, and I'm going to hand off to you, Joe, and, and talk about one particular area that uh, was very interesting and very uh, historical, to say the least. Yeah, the um, you know, yeah, I think it was uh, February 10th. It was, uh, you know, it was the auction. I think it was the week after the Super Bowl, but um, obviously a very, very rare, and that's what we're here talking about. You don't you don't hear us talking too much about you know twenty nineteen Bowman Chrome refractors, but uh, <laughs> nineteen twenty six uh, Pottsville Maroon postcards uh, went up for sale. Great auction item. Last time we saw one of those was uh, over a decade ago. Nineteen twenty six Pottsville Maroons postcards uh, glued or taped to a you know to a board uh, with a program. Went for twenty six thousand bucks. Uh, some pretty rare postcards in there, and I, I think I've mentioned before you just you don't see these. Uh, I'm I'm working on uh, collecting this set, and I'm lucky if I add you know one or you know one or two every couple of years. Uh, you know, last time I had a had a trade with Jeff Payne, I traded some star player candies for some of his dupe, you know, maroons, and that's the last time I've added to that set. Wow. Tough, tough. That it, uh, very rare. It wasn't even a complete set, uh, and it went for twenty six k plus the juice. Now, fill in our audience again. Uh, how many cards are actually in that set? <laughs> oh boy, I think. Oh boy, uh, I will admit, Bob. Yeah. I have a spreadsheet. I have a spreadsheet. I want to say. Boy, someone's gonna laugh at me when I throw this out there. Um, why I don't remember. Like I don't remember. Eighteen pieces. I I think there is. Uh, I would I would say okay. twenty. Because yeah, I know that I'm, this I'm one almost, was eighteen pieces. Yeah. I'm I'm almost sure uh, it's 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 eighteen or twenty, but in any event, um, they are rare, rare. And the one thing I, I was talking to another collector about it, and uh, he was commenting, he was amazed at the price for the item, so on and so forth. And he said to me, and, and it's something I agreed with him 100%, we both attend postcard shows. And can you imagine going up to a, going up to a postcard show and go to a dealer and just ask them, do you have any you know, early photograph uh, postcards uh, of any type of sports player? And, you know, they pull out their boxes and, and out of the blue, somehow you pick out <coughs> postcards. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And the dealer, totally oblivious to what he has, 
says, uh, you know, how about five dollars a card type of thing? And you know, as you, you know, try to tear out your wallet yeah. as fast as humanly possible, and give the guy a fifty dollar bill for everything. Um, you know, yeah. it's amazing. And I, and I, and to me, I'm wondering if they're not if they're not more hidden out there, and people don't really collectors really have no clue what they are. You know what I mean? Well, and not not a lot known about this set. I mean, you know, it's obviously by Zacco's, you know, issued by Zacco's. So I would imagine it's a regional set. Uh, yep. You know, how many were printed back then? I mean, uh, so how many made it out? I mean, we've talked about, you know, paper drives before it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not. Yep. Sounds like our, it, sounds like our guest is on the line. <laughs> it, it's truly, but, truly am- it's truly amazing to, to uh, actually think about, you know, how many are still really in existence, if there are any yeah. complete sets, and B, you know, how many more are out there. So, you know, let's let's yeah. let's throw out a number here. What do you think? There are like twelve of each, in existence. Less, more. I'm curious. Less, ten or ten or less would be my guess. Uh, okay. You know, Andy Becker. Andy Becker first introduced me to this set ten years ago when he called me and said he came across uh, a partial set and that I want that I want a few and he explained to me how rare they were and I I bought some and eight yep. years later I hadn't seen any any come to auction and uh, you know before Jeff and I got a set I mean pretty rare and obviously it's got yep. a Charlie Berry and a Tony Latone card in there there's some there's some some heavy hitters in there but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Regional set. Exactly. I mean, it touches a lot of base. You know, championship year. In the same hunt auction, we had a pennant uh, on the on the program about uh, two months ago. We had a pennant collector on, and uh, in yep. that same hunt auction, a 1929 Frankfurt Yellow Jacket pennant sold for sixty five hundred dollars plus the juice. And I was like, that is yep. a lot of money for a pennant. Uh, <laughs> Which, but it just it, it reinforces what he mentioned, just the popularity of rare, you know, vintage pennants. There was a I Bruce, think, I think they're, really picking, they're really picking up in demand, to say the least. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I call that the, I call that the gridiron grade bump. Uh, you you mentioned it on this show, and suddenly <laughs> people want to collect it. Steve Largent, Steve Largent. Uh, uh, in that same hunt auction, the 1941 Bruce Smith Heisman Trophy. Uh, which was obvious, it was up for sale. It did not sell. I think it, it it was a live auction format, which was pretty fascinating to watch. It took me it took me a couple lots to figure out how it worked, and uh, I'd received some advice to have some low number items early in the bid, early in the auction you could bid on just to practice and see how the rhythm went. But uh, that did not mm-hmm. sell. It during during the live auction, it looked like it sold for like you know you know, sixty or eighty thousand dollars, which is well below what the estimated price was, but and then when the website refreshed it said did not sell. So obviously they had a minimum right. for that. Right. Uh, I would assume something I would assume something like that a minimum would have to be a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand. I can't see it being anything less oh, yeah. than that. You know what I mean? Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, moving on, I mean we we wanted to talk about auctions. Moving on, there's uh uh, right now in Heritage, uh, there is a uh, – everybody knows I collect uncut sheets. And just announcing one more time, my white whale uncut sheet is a 1935 Chickle. If anyone knows, please reach out to me. But uh, in Heritage – I always have to get that little mention in, Bob. Uh, but in, Her- in Heritage right now is a 
1933 Sports King uncut sheet that is for sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got about there's about four days left in the auction, and this is a six by four sheet, 24 cards. It's got Red Grange, Jim Thorpe in the football area. It's got Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and, you know, in the baseball, and Jack Dempsey. I mean, it's Sports King, and it's the only uncut sheet from the SK uh, set that I've ever seen. And I was really, really hoping I could add it to my collection, but it's at forty-six thousand dollars right now, fifty-five with the buyer's wow. premium. Wow! Uh, wow! Which is and a little bit out of my range. Up, what do you think that's going to go for? A hundred uh, plus with the juice? I have no idea, Bob. I when I first saw it, it was at ten thousand, and I was like, "Wow, that's a little beyond my price." But you know what? Never seen it before, and I put a bid in. Was immediately outbid. And came back the next day. It was at twenty-five. Came back the next day. It was at thirty. Yeah, and it's 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 crept its way up to forty-six. I have no idea. It is the yeah. only uncut sports nineteen thirty-three sports king sheet I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, and who knows? Will we ever ever see one again? And just, but it, what? It, how incredible! Just to see you know nearly hundred-year-old sheets come up for auction like this. It's pretty cool. But it it lets you know there's some there's some base there's some uh, buying power in the baseball you know uh, world out there with you know Babe Ruth right, and Ty Cobb right. on this and then you know and there's you know obviously the same year as the Gow, Gowdy which they consider his rookie card so I think I I think the baseball players on that sheet will end up driving the entire sheet and I I could be way yeah. underestimating what it's going to go for I mean it could go for a quarter of a million who knows. I mean, it, you yeah. know, depending because because of the rarity and because of all the all the you know uh, you know rare players that are on that sheet, it is an amazing sheet. For, you know, over a hundred yep. years old, it has everything you could possibly want in a rarity yep. for a sports collectible. You could you can't get a yep. better lineup than what you have there. So uh, you know, I could be wrong. Yeah. It could really really fly. It could really fly. Well. Hopefully when that Amazing. second series, 19, hopefully when that second series, 1935 Chickle uncut sheet shows up, it uh, goes, those ba- baseball players or ba- baseball collectors don't notice it. And it goes for half of what it is now. But uh, <laughs> man, I, I, was, I was stunned to see it get this high. It's pretty cool to see though, too. Uh, yeah. You know, Manage, manageable sheet, 24 cards, so pretty pretty beautiful to frame and hang in your office or home or your cigar room, whatever. But pretty cool. And uh, yeah, and in, and in that same in that same heritage auction is a uh, very nice looking PSA six Bronco Nagurski rookie card, 35 Chickle. It's at a it's at nearly 20,000. It's at 19.2, you know, including the vig. Uh, yeah. So we're obviously a steady march in what we're seeing for Nagurski prices. Just uh, the, the the power of Bronco in, in football you know, collecting. Well, I think I think that Nagurski, my honest opinion, and again I could be very wrong. I think it's going to end up going for over twenty seven, twenty eight with the juice, if not more. And wow. I'm just wow. wondering. I'm just wondering if somehow it's going to end up in a bidding war. Uh, with you know between two collectors or two investors who are saying okay this is probably the best nag that's going to be going to be on the market for a long time therefore I got to have it so therefore we're going to run it up and uh, if that happens holy mackerel it's going to be uh, you know 
White House that I checked. That's all I can say. Six, it's going to be six months ago. Amazing. A uh, yep, six months ago, a PSA eight point five Nagurski went for what, what was it like a hundred and forty, hundred and sixty thousand? I mean, right. there, there's a big difference between the prices, but it the, the sole PSA eight point five, and, and it was a very good looking card. Uh, better looking than half the PSA eight. Better looking than I think the PSA nine out there. It's just it, it had good. Fat borders. Mm-hmm. It was a good-looking card, and, but I mean, I, I was actually slightly surprised it didn't go for higher, considering how very rare even a PSA eight card is. And then here's an eight point five that was, you know, beyond reproach to me. Well, nothing's beyond well, reproach nowadays, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah, that we could throw out for an argument. Then maybe this PSA six is going to go for half of that. So then now you're looking at you know seventy eighty thousand for it. And, and then yeah. that happens, man. Oh, man, oh, man, forget it. I mean, that that's going to be yep. going to be uh, unbelievable to try to to try to really uh, imagine uh, as far as whatever else comes to the market and however it's graded. I mean, the nag is going to drive drive the vintage card market for a while, to say the least. Yep. So uh, truly amazing. So it was, just, it was uh, pretty, fun to watch that hunt auction. Yeah, it was it was fun in the live format. Once you got the hang of it and you you got to see it, it was it was pretty fun to be looking ahead and see stuff that was uh, selling. Uh, I I did enjoy that. It was my first you know internet live auction I'd seen. So yeah, they're becoming they're becoming very popular. I think uh, they're definitely going to be a, a major wave of the future for them. And uh, again, be interesting to see what else comes comes out of the market and it seems. Hunt really drops a lot of uh, stuff right at the, their Super Bowl auction time uh, when there's a lot yeah. of interest and, and the like. So pretty pretty interesting, to say the least. All right. Our guest yeah. is ready, and I'd like to introduce him and uh, start to talk about his collection. At this time, I'd like to introduce our special guest. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and has been a tennis coach for 40-plus years, coaching high-level junior players. He's had quite a few of them make the professional tennis tour and play at the U.S. Open and Wimbledon, to name a few venues. He was born in Birmingham, Alabama, and collected cards as a kid, bought packs at the corner local store, and always liked football better than baseball. His main collecting years were 1958 to 1962. He found his cards in his mother's attic when his son asked him about the Ken Griffey rookie card in 1989. And then he started setting up at small shows with his son and daughter. He's now 71 years young and saw the Topps Mexican cards in the 1990s, and they looked terrible but interesting to him. And around 2000, he bought some original cases that came from Mexico and got started in collecting them. And the rest, as we say, is history. I'd like to introduce to our show Topps Mexican Authority historian and collector, Mr. Jim Ragsdale. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Thanks for being on. Yes, sir. Um, Thank you for having me on. You're quite welcome. Kazoo night, Jim. (laughs) Sorry? I said kazoo night. I've heard you sneeze a couple times. 
Sorry. Uh, Jim, I want to start off by asking you, how did you get started collecting football cards? Like I said, when I was get out of school, I'd go to the corner uh, grocery store and buy a couple packs. And I always like, um, you know, I started in 58, I think, based on the cards I had wow. in the attic. I remember doing the scratch-offs on the 58s and the 60s, 61s. And uh, that's how I got started. You know, we used to, we liked Jim Brown, Johnny Unitas, still do. So, and then I, I would go downtown, and I collected coins as well, just Buffalo nickels, Lincoln pennies. My mom would give me five bucks, and I'd go down to the bank and uh, get that many rolls of pennies and go through them. At that time, you could get Indian cents and, and some 1909S, 14Ds on the Lincoln. Wow. And so it led into me uh, being a coin dealer later on with a friend of mine here in Atlanta. I was his assistant. And I would go hmm. to uh, I would go to Long Beach and the fun show down in uh, Orlando and a lot, a lot of different places, Milwaukee. And uh, I remember just one time I saw the, a section, especially out at Long Beach, a card section. And uh, I went over there and just took a look, and it was pretty interesting. And so when my son <clears throat> was... Uh, We'd go to the Braves games here, and he wanted a rookie card of Dale Murphy and, and Ken Griffey. So we, I knew how to deal, I guess you could say, from being a coin dealer. And I just started setting up and doing some coin shows, I mean some card shows, excuse me. And uh, I collected everything, the 48 Leaf. Uh, I had at one time the number one uh, felt back set on the registry. And the number one uh, 50, 51 magic set unrubbed, and uh, that developed from just being setting up at shows and liking the old football and everything. Wow! Did you have a did you have a forty eight leaf? Uh, did you have a forty eight leaf set, Jim? I do not. I've actually sold everything. Uh, it was I had a partial set. I really liked the varieties in the forty eight leaf. I was collecting them before they were listing them. The some of the different blue sock on Van Buren, just different things like that. But uh, yeah, I've yeah. sold all of that. The only thing I really have left is the seventy is the Mexican football set, and I have uh, some forty eight Magic. Uh, mm. I had a complete set graded. It was uh, I did sell the the football and the baseball in the Heritage auction quite a, about ten years ago. And the felt back set and the magic set also in the heritage auction. And I cool. sold uh, my uh, my exhibit. I had a complete exhibit set graded. Oh, wow. Uh, from SGC with the, uh, you know, colors, the different color cards. Too. Oh, wow. The pink, oh, the, pink the blue, the, the green. So I really like football. But the 77 set, <laughs> I don't know, there's something about it that, it's just, uh, it's very scarce. It was very low production on it. And I would see a few cards at the shows. And they always look terrible, you know, because they have this, the gum stain on a lot of them. And I would ask yeah. them what they wanted for, and they'd say 10, 15 bucks. And I would say, are you kidding me? And they would say, no, it's very rare set. 
And so uh, one Jim, shot. Jim, do you on. think it was? Jim, do you think it was the Largent card in the? Do you think it was the Largent card in the set that originally attracted <laughs> you to it? <laughs> Actually, you want me to tell you the true story on the Largent card? About uh, about ten boxes. About ten boxes. I bought 10 boxes, and uh, the second box had nine patents in it. Uh, I bought them from oh, the wow. guy who brought it back. I saw it on eBay, just a box, and I, and I emailed him. He was the guy who brought it back from Mexico. He told me the whole story, a New Jersey dealer. And the second box had nine patents. They weren't very nice. Only a couple of them were. They had, like, gum stains on them. They had uh, almost like a roller mark. It almost cut the card in half. The, so... But I got nine, so I, I, I emailed him back, and I said, you know, what can we do? And I bought a case from him. It wasn't a real – a real case is not a – wasn't a Topps wow. case. It was, in a can, it was in a candy bar box. And he had – he just put 54 boxes in a candy bar box. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, but it's only two cards in a pack. And there's three right. or six packs in a box. And one of the cards is damaged most of the time, the one on top. But that's how I got started with with collecting the the Mexican. And as I mentioned earlier, that's how I got started just in football by, by going to coin shows and seeing the, the cards at the coin shows yeah. and setting up. You know, it's interesting here in Connecticut. Uh, it, it, it's interesting ahead. here in Connecticut. Just uh, just as an aside, you're talking about coin shows. We have like two shows a month that are basically coin stamp and card slash uh, toy shows. So you can find a lot of different things there. I mean, there's only a couple of uh, card dealers there. There's probably a half a dozen um, coin dealers, two or three stamp dealers, and a couple of the uh, like diecast card dealers. So it's pretty interesting to see everything all in one one show, but to me it's still I, I still say having a separate coin show, separate stamp show, and a separate card show makes the most sense. You know what I mean? So uh, yes. But it's interesting as coin shows ended up having a lot of card dealers over the years, and then now they're everything is regressing back to pure coin shows, pure card shows, so on and so forth. I just wanted to throw that yeah. out. Yes. Well, that was back in the yeah. day before the internet when we started. So it right, was uh, right. it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I thought, you know. So, but the internet yeah. does. You can do a lot of things with it for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, a couple of, several years ago, you wrote an article on uh, the '77 Mexi set, and you're quoted in there. I mean, I think your your preamble is "Beware the dirty dozen," uh, which is pretty cool. I, I love the Mexican set. I collect a few of them, but, uh, you know, you've kind of mentioned how you got into it. You know, you just discovered it at a show, but I mean, a little more detail on how you really hunkered down. I mean, you've collected quite a few things. How did you decide to, to end up with that set? What really got you into it? I mean, you, you know, I, okay. Okay. Well, what happened is I ended up buying three cases. Uh, there was only five or six cases that when, when I'm calling it a case, you have to understand, I still have one of the original uh, candy bar boxes. I had two, and, and uh, another fellow wanted it, so I, I worked to deal with him. Carl, Carl Lemondola, he's a, he's a big collector. And uh, Oh, we know Carl. But, uh, y'all know Carl for sure? Yes. Okay, but uh, I went through 
172 boxes. Opened every one of them, the two card boxes. And after opening that many, I had 360 different cards out of 528. They go and run. They were not weren't collated very well, you know. And um, mm-hmm. it, and it so we started, you know. So there were some other collectors at that time. This was around 2000, and we all of us would just uh, trade, trade raw cards, you know. And I I wanted to have a complete set. <clears throat> Everybody would say there's there's some cards that are almost impossible to find, and and they were, they really were. You really it, it was. It was the, the the four toughest cards to find uh, are Eric Torkelson, four thirty four, and the Rich Sowles, four eighty eight, and the number twenty one Lawrence Gaines, and the number four hundred four, uh, the, the Detroit Lions. Jarvis. Uh, Park Jarvis. That's Ray Jarvis. That's right. Those are the. And if if you, I've seen some sheets from seventy seven, and they they. They're right on the corner of one of the 77 sheets. Now, this is the regular sheet, but I know it's the same sheets because I have some panels that match up to the 77, yeah. some Mexican panels. And these are right on the on the corner, those four. And who knows what happened, but they didn't make it out too much. You know, there's only been three uh, sevens of the Lawrence Gaines, and I've only seen – less than five that came out of a pack most of the time we call it cards from mexico and they're you know they're the few that got out in mexico and were collected they usually creased but the, but the uh original cards there's only three i've only seen three or four games same thing with torkelson same thing with uh, sowels and jarvis that were nice so, so i don't know what happened so three but of those there's, there's four some other, Three of those four, you know, uh, you know, big rare cards are in the D series sheet, you know, because uh, obviously yeah. there's four, yeah. you know, there's four 132 card sheets, you know, A B C D. Okay. Uh, okay. So series D sheet in the 1977 Mexi sounds like it had some struggles. Uh, yes. You know. Actually, 11, so, 11 you, of the 12, 11 of the 12 dirty dozen came off of that sheet. The, yeah, just uh, the games. Number twenty-one doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what is there a history of that 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 fourth sheet, that series D sheet, not making it out of Mexico? Is that the the theory? I don't. It must not have. <laughs> my my opinion on it, you know, the cards are perforated, you know, so thanks. So most of the Mexican collectors feel like they were hand torn off the sheets, you know, so uh, not cut. They weren't cut. You know, they have the perforation. So we sort of visualize uh, some guys sitting around on chairs just taking the, you know, the sheets and, and tearing the cards because I've, I've had cards right out of the pack that, that, are, that are torn and have creases on them and that kind of thing. But that particular sheet, I uh, really don't feel like it uh, either was in the group that the New Jersey collector uh, was able to obtain. He actually went down there. He told me to get the Star Wars and the Charlie's Angels. He had no idea there was football there. And he saw it up against the wall and asked him about it. 
and uh, so he brought that back as well. But it wasn't a whole lot of it. I'm just assuming that either those sheets got out in circulation, or and, and or they or they weren't in the in the boxes that were left in the in the in the in the factory. Wow. Yeah, obviously some quality quality control issues down there because. You know, the American uh, 77 set doesn't have that same Series D, you know, shortcoming. You know, it, it's just as right. popular as the other three series. Well, I've looked at that sheet, too, and there are many, many cards on that sheet that are very scarce. I have a – I call it the Dirty Dozen. That's what everybody called it. There's also a second Dirty Dozen as well. It's about 25 cards that are really, really hard to, to find. Uh, you know, in what I call pack fresh condition, out of a pack. Yeah. Now, how, what you what what you end up having to do, Jim, to to get the cards graded and or you know to actually collect the set in graded condition? Well, I always graded my other cards, and so my first goal was to just have a complete set, and I I really didn't. Around 2002, just trading around and different things, I ended up having a complete set raw. And uh, I decided to send a couple in. I sent about 30, sent about 30 cards in. The Stallbacks, Jim Zorn. I think I sent in some Franco Harris. I sent some Largent, a couple of Largents. Yeah. And uh, Attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know about how rare the Largents are, I'll tell you, but. Anyway, um, no, I'm, so I'm aware of it. I've, I've, got, got a, I've got a couple of them. Okay, I got a few uh, sevens and some eights, uh, even with the yeah. preparations. I didn't know how they were going to grade them. So after I got a yeah. few decent grades, I decided to send in a, a big lot. So I did. I sent. I picked out the best 600 cards I had. I just really oh, went through oh them. My. Yeah, I sent in 600 cards, and. Uh, and that group came back, and that got me started on, uh, you know, a complete set. And there was another fellow out in Washington State who was doing a similar thing to me. He had actually bought from – there was two guys, the guy that went down and got the cards and another collector in New York. who had They had some loose cards, too, they brought back in the panels. And the Washington State uh, collector bought a lot, most of that. So he had some clean stuff. So he was sending it in, and uh, we both uh, decided to put our cards in the registry, the PSA registry. And we weren't complete by any means, but he saw mine, I saw his, and we started trading back and forth, you know, some graded cards that I had and that he didn't have, and I got some cards, vice versa. And we both had a goal of, having a complete set in that graded 8.0 and up. And then we bought, uh, we wanted to try to have a set with all eights. That still doesn't wow. exist. There's still, there's still four cards that have never made eight in the set. And, uh, you're, you're, but, uh, and, and later on, do you remember what that me? young man's name in Washington was? Was it Mike? Yes, I do. No, no. His name was Don. Okay. So, okay. But he and I, and later on, I bought 
we both completed. I had the number one set by just a little bit, and he had the number two set by just a little behind me. And later on, I bought that set from him. Mm, and that's right how, and, and I combined the two sets, and that's why my set is a pretty strong set. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, bought, I bought another one later on who I'd built a set for a gentleman from Canada, and he, his wife was uh, into the uh, government there in Canada, and they, they moved to China. So he sold it to me before he went to China. So I've actually combined three of the top four sets, the graded sets, mm. to come up, come up with my current graded set. Hmm. Wow. Well, now, I, as, as, a, as a guy who has the uh, Steve Largent Master set, Trust me, I uh, I really struggled to find that uh, that Mexican card at a PSA seven, and uh, later on I upgraded to an eight. So okay. it, is, it is not an easy card to find. Uh, no, it's not. It's it's in fact there are, it's there, are eight, there are eight eights, one eight five, and one nine. Oh wow, I didn't know that. That's it. That's it. I think. Yeah, I think somebody approached me like uh, six months ago with, with with the inside track on an eight point five and asked me if I was interested. And I, I said no. I was kind of kind of up there. Uh, there's a there's a complete seventy seven ungraded Mexican set on eBay right now. Uh, it shows up in my Steve Largent search. You know when I sift through eBay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a guy named Ken Cope is selling it, uh, and his entire description of the set. Is an excerpt from your uh, PSA article on the on on the on the seventy seven Mexican set. He, he liter- literally just cuts and pastes what you had to say. And he's like, you know, the the you know the infamous. It's 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 almost funny. He's like, you know, just you know the the infamous Jim Ragsdale quoted at below and says this set is this. It's just it's kind of funny. Well, uh, let me just say this. Oh, go ahead, keep going. Oh That's no, I, I, I was. Go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you, you go. People hear enough of me. Well, talking. what I was, what I was going to say is there's so little information on the Mexican cards. I get you know phone yeah. calls and and uh, you know it's very uh, people don't. There's so much little information. That's the reason you know with Carl, uh, I, he and I have done some deals before. Um, I actually. Like the like I said, the felt back. I I bought a box one time on eBay that had the loose felt backs in the box, an original box, and they would just come out of the pack and that type of thing. And uh, Carl and I were both collecting felt backs, and that's how he and I sort of introduced ourselves to each other. And uh, and but um, you know the same thing with the magic and everything. But he. It, it's such a little information. I know that we're going to do this upcoming article in the Gridiron Greats about the Mexican. And um, I'm very excited about that just to get some information out about, you know, so some collectors can understand about the Mexican series, that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. What is the most expensive card in the set? Uh, well, I know that a Peyton in 8.5 went for, Right at thirteen thousand. Oh uh, my! Okay, that'll do it. Wow. Yeah. And wow. I know a, a large has gone for eight thousand. 
uh, not a, the the nine uh, between yeah. eight and nine thousand, and uh, I know that I paid three thousand for a couple of cards, uh, the uh, Torkelson in in eight five and the uh, Silas. Wow! Wow! And wow. I've had wow. I did I noticed y'all said earlier about the eight five. I believe in the Nagurski, and I had the yep. nine. I made the nine on the number three card, the uh, O.J. Simpson and the uh, Walter Payton leaders. I made the nine in that first 600 group, but I really didn't like it that much. So I have an eight five. I sold it, and I sold it, traded for an eight and and some money. It really came, it really went to between four and five thousand for the card. And uh, wow. I have an eight five on that. I have an eight five on that one now because I like it. The nine had a little bit of yellowing on it. You, you look at the number three. Sometimes it has a little yellow tint, and the one I have is a clean white all the way across. So I, you know, that's the only time I've ever downgraded a card. But I actually like the eight five better than the nine. Wow, I, I love it when people have, when people know that much about a set that they can talk about a yellow tint on card number three. That is immersing yourself into a set, Jim, and I tip my hat to that. Uh, do you have any good stories? You know, I mean, you, you can't have collected a set like this for as long as you have and not have some good stories, uh, you know, and obtaining, meeting people, you know, et cetera. Sure. I mean, uh, I've had a lot of good stories, you know. I mean, I guess really one that – one of my favorite, besides opening all the boxes and trading around early on and that type of thing, is obtaining uh, from a gentleman named, named Chad. He's a pretty big-time collector. From, I believe he's from Santa Barbara. Uh, I got about 7,000 7, cars. He, was, he, he had some original cases as well, too. And he documented... Uh, everything that came out of those original two cases. He also had three complete sets. Now they weren't a lot of them were you know rough cards, but he had a, it was a mixed set of uh, cards out of the packs. And so I bought that from him, and that really uh, added some uh, some high grade cards. The Jarvis I got a Jarvis out of out of a box, and it was eight. There's only two of those. And uh, several of the cards that had never made eight, and I had them in seven, I, I obtained those from him. So I was very appreciative of him, you know. And he never sold a card, he told me. He just he just liked to collect cards. He he collected all the real old stuff, the T206s and everything else. But the only modern set he liked was uh, the 77 Mexican, as far as I understand. And... Hmm. The reason I the reason I had the article, you know, I collected all of them, the seventy ones and and fifty sevens, fifty eight. I collected them all, but they had an article in the, in the PSA magazine, I believe it's what's it called, Sports Collectors Marketplace or something like that. And uh, the article was the seventy one set was the toughest modern set of all the set in high grade. And uh, so I called up the writer of the article sent him an email and I said, it's not the hardest set. And we started talking and he's the one that wrote the article. 
1977 Mexican set. There's really no modern set that compares to the rarity of the 77 Mexican in high grade. Mm. Even the early set, don't, they don't compare. What do you think the, the rarest card is graded from 50, 55 all the way currently from tops? I'm just talking about tops now. I'll tell you, it's the funny ring oh, checklist. Man. It's the it's the funny ring checklist has three eights and one eight five. Well, you didn't give me a chance to guess. You didn't give me a chance <laughs> to guess, Jim. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, there are I, several I from no 62. Clue. There are several from 62 that are pretty scarce too. You want to guess on that one? Wow. They're calm. They're from calm. the 62. Uh, that would be uh, the the uh, Ditka from 62. Well, that's or the, it, 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 it all Ernie Davis, the Ernie Davis, like Bill, like Bill, Bill Pellington, guys. Like there's a couple of commons where there's like seven, eight, and 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 you know that type of thing. But they're oh. those are the rarest cards of, that have been graded from PSA. In the Mexican set, there are 190 cards that are rarer in high grade than the Funny Ring checklist. Wow. Wow. There's like 20 cards that only have one eight, nothing else higher. There's four cards that have a seven, nothing else higher. And there out of the other 190, they either have two or three eights with nothing higher in the Mexican set. And most of the stuff has been opened up, too. It's, uh, it's truly a unique set, in my opinion. That's the reason I like it, because of the rarity and high grade. Yeah, definitely rare. There's no doubt. But uh, I mean, did, did I mean we we were we were kicking around? Did you have any story meeting up with somebody in a shady oh. parking lot at midnight to trade to <laughs> trade wax packs? Oh, that type of stuff. Well, yeah. Meeting meeting meeting. Uh, you know, Carl Amendola at a you know at a. At a circle K. Well, I did meet I did meet Carl I did meet Carl down in Valdosta, Georgia. <laughs> he drove up from Tampa, Florida, and I drove down from Atlanta, and we met and discussed Mexican, and uh, that's when he got the uh, candy bar box, and uh, and a couple of Buffalo Bills. He got some Buffalo Bills. He he's still a little short on a complete Buffalo Bill set. I think he needs two cards. <laughs> wow. Now I've had a lot of good experiences with the with the Mexican collectors, but it's um, it's you know it's it's fun it's fun trying to put together the set. That's for sure. Jim, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, Carl, do you collect any Do you collect anything else of football cards or football memorabilia? Or is it, or is it- no, I had the, like I said, I had the felt backs, the '51 Magic, the '48 Magic. I collected you know '57, '58. Mainly, I like the 60s and 61s, uh, but uh, you know, and and the uh, and the exhibit cards. I really like the exhibit cards. I still have some exhibits left. I like I sold that my set. number one. Yeah, it's a beautiful set. I, I, I saw my number one set in the Heritage Auction, and it was graded by SGC. It had some 96s in it, some 92s, quite a wow. few 88s. Wow, but of, of the of the big of the big the real difficult cards, I only had a couple in '84. Um, I can't remember who they were, but of the, uh, I know I had a 
Wiedemeyer in 80 that was a green tent. That was one of my, that was my That's favorite car. That's a tough part. Yeah. That's a tough part. I, 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 I love I, you. I have collected other things as well. I have, I'm an Alabama fan, so I have some Alabama stuff. I went to Alabama, graduated from Alabama way back. I, I couldn't John tell. John, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell. That's funny. That's funny because brother, brother and I were just in Gulf Shores, Alabama, a couple of weeks ago. We were staying at our uh, a friend's condo there on the beach, and he's an Auburn graduate. So he's, he's yeah. down there with oh, his wow. Auburn hat and Auburn Auburn sweatshirt, and uh, I really like right. it. First there. time I was ever there. Real nice area. Well, when you lose, very, when you lose the Alabama Auburn game, it's a whole year. You have to stay low. You have to, you have to, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to stay. Okay, it's we true. Were, it's true. We were we were in a restaurant in a restaurant down there called Alabama. Lulu's. Yeah, uh, Lulu's sorry? Bait Shop. Yeah, Lulu's yeah. Bait Shop. And, uh, yeah, the one uh, right outside there, in um, outside of Orange Beach. I'm not sure. I'm confused. Yeah. But I, I, wherever the restaurant was, we were there, and um, half the bar had Alabama on, and the other half had Auburn on. So it was pretty interesting. Uh, That's exactly to right. See the rivalry. <laughs> That's exactly it was, right. It was funny. Surprised the riot didn't break out. I Southern boys, they take their football serious. No, they're very, take your they're, they're very, very, very nice and very civil down there. They're very gentlemanly uh, like. Yeah, I always like football. I mean, I guess I got started. I went to the first game Joe Namath ever played for Alabama at Legion Field through five touchdown passes. Oh, wow. And, and back in those yep. days, yep. Bear Bryant, they, they very rarely threw passes, but I went to that game. Oh. And I went to wow. Kenny Staber when he was uh, playing. So, they, you know, that's what got me really interested in football, I guess you could say, more than the baseball is watching the football games there in Alabama. Yeah. Hmm. Love it. Uh, so, you, you, I mean, the 77 set is pretty much your baby right now. It's what you collect. I mean, yes. so other than those, those four – uh, Gaines, Jarvis, Torkelson, Souls. I mean, in, in a PSA eight or higher grade card, is there anything on your want list? I mean, or is that it? Yes, yes. Well, no. Those four are the, the four I would like to have. The twenty-one. Uh, actually, Drew Pearson is number. He's never had an eight. Number one thirty. Eighty-four. Oh, wow. Matt Blair. Eighty-four. Matt Blair. He's never had an eight. And. Number 444, Mike Pruitt. So if anybody has something ah. like that and that's, that's out of a pack that's very nice, I, those are my four. I'm still on the quest to have a complete graded set eight and up. Uh, I do have it on everything except 21, 84, 130, and 444, those four. That would be on my one. <laughs> wow. You know you're set, man. I love it. So. Okay, so when when you when you write to Santa every year, it's those it's those cards in a PSA. I still look for them. I look for them all the time. You know, I they, I was down to about seven or eight, but the the the, dry, the 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 big collection I got, I did get three or four eights out of that collection. It helped wow. out. Wow, good for you! Unbelievable. <laughs> I love somebody who's just got the passion for a set like that. I mean, 
uh, you know, 84 tops is the set I'm probably most passionate about that and 48 leaf, but I've just, I've, you know, I, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've stepped away from them, you know, from time to time and then come back, but it's, uh, it's just cool. I mean, you know, and, and you only get, you only get to know that about a set by immersing yourself in it, by collecting it, by living and breathing it, you know, and, uh, writing an article about it, Jim. So, yeah, it's true. Amazing. There's even, there's even some, some, some talk about maybe writing a little paperback book about it or something or some talk about that. We'll see how that goes. I'd like to, I'm 71 years, I'm 71 years old. Like I said, I really think I know much as much about the the cards as most is just about anybody. And I wouldn't mind leaving that uh, knowledge in, uh, in writing sometime, you know, so that's, that's one of my, one of my goals as well. Should definitely pursue it. The hobby would, would embrace it to say the least. I mean, I, Stuff I read, stuff I read, and now this new article we're going to have in Gridiron Greats for the spring issue. Uh, I mean, yes. amazing information about that set. I mean, it's, I always, I always found it fascinating. I mean, I I probably got maybe ten cards from the set, and I I always was the, the type if I saw one at a show I would buy it, you know, no matter what the condition was. But I rarely see them up here, and uh, just just fascinating right. to say the least. Fascinating. Well, the. Do you, uh, I, I'm curious, Jim. Would you have any advice you could give beginning collectors out there? That's a good question. I, I, what I really have from most most beginning collectors is is they is to collect the team set first. You know, the the complete set is uh, pretty difficult these particular days. It's possible, but. Uh, you know, if you are a Dallas Cowboy, I have a Cowboy fan, Steelers, Vikings, Rams, Giants, just Dolphins. I, w- I would I would suggest you start out with the the team set, and 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 see how see how how you go with that, and then you know, the cards are not cheap either, so it just depends on what your uh, budget is as well, I guess. But. Uh, I would, I would I'd recommend starting out with a team set or two and just see how that goes. And then if you really like the cards, then you can go from there. I have a few collectors who are about 30 cards short, 10 cards short, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, I try to help them out when I can. But that, I think that's a good way to start in today's uh, in today's environment. Good advice. I would agree. I would definitely agree with that because there's so much out there and uh, it can be overwhelming to a new collector. But in, in most cases, I think a new collector gets his or her feet wet very, very uh, briefly and then they really see what they like and then they start collecting it. And that's the fun of collecting. Uh, that's always been the fun of collecting to me. And uh, yes. In your case, yeah. I am just in awe of your knowledge and your collection of 1977 Tops Mexican football cards. It's it's an amazing, amazing, amazing collection you have. Thank you. <laughs> nice. All right. Jim, thank you for being on. We're almost out of time. You, you gave us an okay. education on this set. And, uh, again, Looking forward to the spring issue coming out, and we'll see that article on the 77 Mexicans 
And by all means, I urge you to write that book because it, it would be a, uh, a very, very uh, historical and educational piece for the hobby on this set. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. I've never been on the podcast, but I certainly enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you for being on, Jim. We appreciate it. Okay. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. Good Good night. night. We're down to almost two minutes. I'm going to hand off to you. What did you learn on tonight's show? For the first time, I think, ever, I found someone who was opening wax packs earlier than you were, Bob. (laughs) Jim mentioned. Yes, you have. Jim mentioned. 58, and then he jumped to 60 tops. I mean, he was talking about doing the scratch-offs, and I'm like, holy crap. So when he when yep. he summed it up and said he's 71, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. He was born in – my mom has turned 70 in a couple of weeks, and she was born in 1950, so okay. Yep. So, you know, yep. he was he was born yeah, in, a, you know, 49 or so. Jim, Jim is 10 years older than me, so he's got the, that uh, little gap there. So I started at 65. That's, yep. that's just the way it, way it worked out. Yep. The way it is. But, but it's just it's just so it's so cool to hear, you know, somebody opening up a 1958 pack and and a 60 pack and a 61 pack. It just it just amazes me. Oh my gosh. You know the fun the oh, fun of opening and not worrying yeah. about condition, not worrying about hermetically sealing yep. those cards, so on and so forth. Just it's, yep. the, fun, it's the fun of the of the collection. I I I am just. Yep. In shock at you know his knowledge and the Mexican side yeah. itself. I I never realized it. I mean, I, I was doing research for the show this week, and I and I'm saying, holy mackerel! I I, I couldn't believe what what was involved in this. And uh, like I said, you know, I go to a show in 20 years, I probably got 10 cards. You know what I mean? And they're basically all like one one or two cards I picked up at shows, and that's it. You know. It was it's, yeah. just, it's just amazing, amazing, truly amazing. All right, we're down well, to about I mean, a minute. Joe, I'm going to hand off to you again. Final thoughts. Just good. I just uh, I always always wonder, first of all, if I have an accent to a guy from the deep south like that. That's just deep thoughts, but uh, you know, because I mean, you're introducing him. We've we've obviously you know, emailed back and forth with Jim a few times. He's on a, you know, yeah. you know, a couple of boards we belong to, but I actually didn't know he's from Alabama. And when you're rattling off his bio, it's like born in Alabama with a school in Alabama. And I'm just like, Oh boy, here comes the accent. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a, it's but, a cool accent. And be, being down there for the, the, the few days we were down in yeah. Alabama, it was just nice to hear every place we went. Uh, you know, there's, Nice, nice uh, accent. Nice, very, very friendly yep. people. Just so different, so different than it here is. in Connecticut. It's amazing, amazing. All right, well, almost yeah. out of time. Check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Subscribe if you're not a subscriber. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with another show. That's all we have for tonight. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Good night. <laughs>